Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name's Marshall. How's it going, Tim? Yep. Doing all right. I always like to do that intro a little bit differently so that you don't know exactly when your cue is going to be. <laughs> keep you on your toes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What is it? Variety is the spice of life. So that's uh, maybe that's good. That's good. Yeah. And in, in, in this quarantine world, it's amazing what's, what a small thing can constitute variety. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I, I actually look forward to uh, grocery shopping now because it's my one excuse to actually leave the house. <laughs> right. So that for me, that's, you know, that's the, generally the highlight of my week. Um, so, yeah. No it's, uh, no, it's good to be doing this. I'm glad we're still able to do this, uh, you know, the, the technology that we have available. Um, we would we would have had to put this whole thing on pause ten years ago. So it's nice to be able to yeah. to do this and yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this week's reading, we get into uh, more of the narrative in Second Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, we see kind of some of the fallout of some of the things that happened in last week's reading, and we right. also get through uh, a number of psalms. That kind of touch yeah. on a variety of topics. Yeah. So there's some some really really good stuff. Um, you know, for me, the forest. The forest. I'm gonna let you handle the forest because uh, you're kind, you've been eager for this one, and you're, okay. you're spot on. So, so the forest this week for me is that this whole thing is a, is a soap opera, right? Like this is this is the young and the restless BC. This is you know the bold and the beautiful Jerusalem style. Like this it. Everything is just, there is betrayal and deceit and, you know, and adultery and murder and intrigue and people changing sides and, and spying and giving bad advice. And, and it's just this convoluted mess that's going on. And, uh, and some of that mess kind of spills over into what David is writing about in his Psalms. So even in, within the Psalms, we'll see, you know, all of this stuff going on as a as a prominent theme in in what he's writing and so yeah the, the, the forest, yeah, it's a mess it's it's so bad and and i understand i understand that families have problems i get that right uh a lot of people a lot of people feel like you know like their family has problems that no one else is dealing with uh and they're embarrassed that, that their family has so much drama um if you feel like your family has drama this week's reading might encourage you a little bit Oh, yeah, to realize sure. that you may not be the most drama-filled family there ever was. Uh, this this family and maybe the Tudors that will come uh, centuries later. Uh, these are, there's some drama here to be had for sure. And uh, and and just to put a you know the the point of the podcast is to present a biblical theology and progressive revelation and all that kind of stuff. So if soap opera doesn't fit for you as a theme uh, in scripture, then uh, then maybe consequence of sin. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. this stuff isn't, it's, it's not, it's not random. No, no, it's not. No, no, this is like you said uh, in our pre-show, God spoke to the prophet Nathan mm-hmm. and said, because of your sin, you are going to lose your sons. Yeah. The sword will come into your household. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this week's reading is the means by which that came about. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. 
Yeah. The, one of the Psalms that we read on the first day this week is Psalm 51, which is this right. Psalm of repentance that David writes directly after the whole sin with Bathsheba and the loss of his child. And so David has repented, right? David has come mm-hmm. before God and confessed his sin, cried out to him, asking him to be, you know, he says, you know, wash me and cleanse me and purge me and all of these things. Um, and so that has happened. But that doesn't mean that the consequences for his sin are gone. Like there's still going to be a fallout from this. And, right. and the mess that we read this week is, is that fallout. Right. And, and I, think that, uh, I think that's an important thing for people to understand. That just because you're forgiven doesn't mean that you're not going to face natural consequences for sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's, uh, that, that's something that we don't want to confuse. Grace does not does not negate justice, right? And right. it, it does it does in sort of the way this the salvific way, right? That that grace comes in and pays the price for our sin, uh, but it is still going to have natural consequences in the end, right? So, for example, if you have been guilty of uh, stealing on a regular basis, um, and you are arrested for that, and before you face a judge, you cry out to God and say. God, I, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty of these things that I've been charged with. And uh, I bring myself to you for repentance. That does not mean God is going to say, you're forgiven, my son, and I'm going to persuade the judge to drop all charges. Right. Right. You're, you're still going to jail. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're forgiven, but earthly justice and natural consequence are still the expectation. And that's what David's facing here. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, the first episode um, that we get into this week is really, is this the situation with Amnon and Tamar. So we have Amnon, one of David's sons, devises this plan with his cousin to rape his half-sister. I mean, because he loves her. Let's not mince words. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He says, he says that expressly, you know, what's, when he's asked what's wrong with you, he says, you know, I love her, mm. but um, as well, but it doesn't as, feel like love. No, no, it's not. It's not love. It's, it's something else. And, and so once he's actually violated her in that way, he then hates her and sends her right. away. Right? Yeah. And she tells him all along. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm your sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She mourns it. And he's just like, get out of here. Yeah. And so it does say that like when David finds out about what happened, it says David was angry, but you know, not angry enough to really do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think David should have went and killed Amnon, should have put him to death. And then that probably would have put a pin in it. <laughs> but of course that's not what happened. <laughs> right. Right. And so Absalom, Tamar's brother, and Amnon's half-brother, uh, you know, he's upset and he bides his time. He devises a plan and, uh, and he executes his own form of vigilante justice. Right. Um, a couple of years later, right? Through, through this deceptive plan and convincing David to send Amnon along for this thing. And, and right. He's like, he's like, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. And David's like, fine, whatever. And he's like, I want Amnon to come. Why? Why, Why Amnon? That doesn't even make any sense. Come on, dad. 
just just trust me. Come. <laughs> and so now David's obviously upset that Amnon's been killed, and mm-hmm. Absalom is banished and flees, and is you know hanging out outside of the kingdom, I guess, or whatever. Um, what about the con- what about the word of the word of consolation that David gets when uh, he finds out his son is dead and he mourns and and the word of consolation that he gets is. What are you so upset about? It's it's not like all your sons died. It was just Amnon. Right. Absalom has been planning this for years. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And so anyways, so then then enters Joab, who is right. know, a general in David's army. Um, and he's like, look, having Absalom banished, the people aren't fans of this. This is, you know, this is a problem. You gotta you gotta let Absalom come home. And he actually, they, they hire, they hire an actress to tell David a story that is, has some kind of parallels to what's going on with the whole Amnon and Absalom thing. Which is the second time this has happened to David. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not the hiring of an actress, but, but that a uh, parable would remind him that he is the man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Absalom comes back. Right. That should be good, right? Everyone's happy again. Family reunited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but not quite because Ab- he doesn't come to the kingdom. He he just comes to Jerusalem and lives in his own house. Yeah, he lives in his own house. It's his own place. He does. Starts uh, starts you know kind of. He's got a crew of people, a mm-hmm. growing crew, uh, posse or whatever whatever term you want to use. And he starts usurping David's role as king. Because one of the things that the king would do is he would judge certain matters of justice, right? And Absalom is essentially saying, hey, look, David doesn't have any time for you. Like, he'll catch them before they even get to the palace and say, David doesn't have any time for you. So talk to me because I'll always have time for you. Right. (laughs) And that he kind of builds up a reputation for himself that way. You know, there's a there was a book written years, years ago uh, called Three Kings. I, I don't remember much about the book. I, I probably shouldn't even mention the name of it because I don't know if it's a book that I would uh, recommend at this point. But one thing that, that the book did in sort of working through the way people respond to opportunities put before them by God uh, was to, to evaluate kings. Uh, and it talked about Saul who was given opportunity by God uh, and just threw it away. David's patience in waiting for his opportunity and trusting in God's timing and, uh, and then being faithful with that to the end. Uh, and then Absalom, who tries to create circumstances for himself. Right. Uh, all of that to say, be a David. Um, <laughs> but that was, that. yeah, Absalom, Absalom is definitely trying to create something and he, he's successful in it he is yeah yeah he's he is proclaimed king at hebron right right and in a, in a very like this is the most unsatisfactory and insincere conversation when they're all like absalom you should be king he's like what me well, I, I never thought of that before <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me am i really ready for such a thing but i mean Hey, if you say so, I guess I could humble myself and serve you in that way. Oh. <laughs> and so David ends up 
having to flee Jerusalem. Does he have to? Well, yeah, that's a good question. We talked about that. Yeah, I don't know. Right, like, so, so he's the king. Yeah. And the center of his military power and his public are all right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he have to run? Does he, is he safer outside of Jerusalem? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, I mean, what, what, kind of, what kind of uprising of the people would there have to have been at this point? Right. That he would be safer running in the wilderness. Yeah, we don't get those, we don't get those details. But in any case, it, it just seems like throughout all of this that we've come to so far that we've read this week, David is just far too passive in all of this. He doesn't deal with the situation with what Amnon does to Tamar. He doesn't really deal with this, the situation of Absalom killing Amnon or when Absalom comes back and starts usurping his role. Like David is just super passive in all of this. And, you know, maybe, maybe he felt like this was inevitable. I, I, don't, I don't know, but just disappointed with David in, in this. Yeah, but like and in stark con. In stark contrast to last week when he was really heavy-handed with people. Yeah. Or, or like when people would come to him uh, after Saul's death and he would be really heavy-handed and very quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's slow and he's a little bit passive. Uh, you described him earlier as, as sort of like being that guy who uh, is, is expecting a lot from everyone around them uh, but can't see that their own kids make mistakes and maybe there's some of that going on. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I wonder, just sort of going back through it again, I wonder if maybe there's opportunity for him to be at a place where he's saying, I get that, this, that these things are being done by my kids, right? Adnan deserves a severe punishment, uh, and Absalom does as well. But maybe he sees it as his own sin. Right. Because... If, if, if he hadn't done what he did with Bathsheba, then his house wouldn't be facing these kinds of consequences and this kind of struggle. And so maybe he feels like it's hypocritical to charge them with their sin because it's, it's kind of on him right? Uh, that these things are coming about. I, I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. He's, he's not dealing with, for whatever the reason might be, He's not dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. So then he flees, you know, into the wilderness. He's got, he's got a, you know, a retinue of people himself. He's not alone here, but he's, you know, he's, he takes off. And, and uh, this is where, if, if people are curious to where kind of how some of the Psalms line up, this is where he writes Psalm three is as right. he is, is leaving Jerusalem due to Absalom's rebellion. Yeah. And you preached this sermon. I did actually. Yeah. It's available on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, so it's so yeah. you don't get to comment because you've done that. That's true. Yeah. If you want to know my thoughts, you can find them online. That was a tough one for me to give up because this is absolutely one of one of my top favorite Psalms. Uh, and, uh, and, and so let's do a little insight okay. for people. Not every time uh, that you do a sermon series, does it line up perfectly? Um, and we don't want to get into inventing reasons to extend the ser- uh, sermon series or whatever. Sometimes you end up with these weeks that are gaps or uh, sometimes you end up in a situation where the pastor just wakes up sick on a Sunday morning right. and has to throw out the, you're on 
kind of a thing. Uh, so we're stealing from uh, the practice of Mark Dever at uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., uh, where what they do is they just keep a run on the Psalms going. And when they need to put some space for the calendar in, in between sermon series, they pick up the next Psalm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think what happened is we had closed a series. I was going to be out of town. You didn't want to preach the first sermon on a new series, which was going to be laying a foundation for the series. Right. So you grabbed Psalm three. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I was jealous and I've got Psalm four written in my back pocket for the next time you catch a flu or, or are (laughs) indisposed for some reason. So I've actually got that one ready to go more or less. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's a, which is also actually on our reading plan this week, Psalm four, which is another good. So, yeah. And the reason I love this one so much is because, uh, this is David acknowledging out loud I I have no way to change my course, mm. right? Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. Mm. Selah. Yeah. You want to, you let's hit on Selah because uh, okay. there's quite a few in here. Okay. So an untranslated word. Yep. We don't know. We don't know for sure what it means. Don't have a clue what it means. Probably a musical term. Probably, yeah. Probably, probably like a, a rest in, in music, uh, but not written into the music, but written into the text in the same way to say, to just pause here for a moment and think about that. Yeah, take a break. Right. Ingest, like digest what we've just sung here. Yeah, and, and in fact, when, when I see a Selah, what I like to do is just do a repeat, right? Mm-hmm. Selah. Let's pause for a moment and not go past that too quickly. Let's reread it and, and just sit in it for a moment. That's the heart behind Selah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he here, he's accounting all of his foes and the fact that people are saying there is no salvation for him in God. Not just he, his army can't do this, but that God won't save him. Yeah. And yeah, then that- he says, stop and think about that for a second. Selah. Mm. Um, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me on his holy hill, Selah. Mm. And then ver- verse 5 is the one that grabs oh, me. The best. So, so he, he talks about how, how crazy his opposition is. Mm-hmm. And then he prays to God, and then he says, I lay down and sleep. And I woke again for the Lord sustained me. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that idea of like, this is an intense situation. Everything around me is coming against me. I've done everything that I can do. And it, not just I recognize, but everyone recognizes that that's not enough. And so I cry out to the Lord and now I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the only reason I will wake in the morning is because God has sustained me. And if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with like fear over, you know, Corona and all that kind of stuff, maybe this is for you to just say, Hey, you know what? Mm. I'm, I'm washing my hands. I'm not touching my face, um, gloves, masks, whatever it is that you've got going on. And, and in the end you leave it in the hands of God, you lay down, 
and you wake and you'll wake healthy because God sustains you or you won't because God has a plan. And that's what he's doing here is he's just that, that whole, I lay down and sleep is just, I'm resting in your plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes just going to bed is an act of surrender, right? Just saying like, yeah, an act of faith. What can I, what can I do? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, so yeah, no, that's a, it's, that's a good word for, for the time that we're in. Cause I know there are so many people who are, who are struggling right now with, with just the heightened anxieties over everything going on. And, right. and again, there, there are some things that are in our control to, to some degree, uh, but mm-hmm. not, not a whole lot. And so yeah. it's the time to, to lean on God. Um, yeah. So just continuing in the story, you know, so David is departing and, and, uh, you know, he's got people, he's got people cursing him, right? He's got this guy, Shimei, mm-hmm. who is just like <laughs> following, like, I'm just picturing, like, there's this kind of like train of people that are kind of walking along the path and there's like hills on either side. And this dude's just like running alongside, just like cursing him, throwing like rocks just a heckler. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Just heckling, like just won't stop. Like he, that's the only thing shimmy I had to do that day. He's like, I'm just going to get up. I'm just going to bug David, like from dawn till dusk. And you know, but you know what? He got recorded in scripture. He did. Yeah, uh, that's true. His acts, his acts were maintained for thousands of years. Yeah. And, and you know, he's calling David a man of blood and, and all of these things and saying like, this is coming upon you because of what you did. And, and, uh, and some of David's men are like, David, like we should go kill this guy. Like, can't let him talk to you that way. Right. No, no. He's like, this could very well be, you know, from God. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. being corrected. I'm being reminded of my own sin because he is a man of blood. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Like he is. And it is he being brought blood. on him because of what he did. Yeah. Yeah. He murdered, he murdered one of his chosen soldiers. Like one of these, like one of these guys who would put his life on the line for David and David's kingdom time and time again. And you know, and David killed him because the, he wanted his wife, right? So anyway, so David allows this to, to continue. Um, ultimately, you know, he has time to kind of consolidate some forces on the other side of the Jordan. Absalom decides to raise an army and they fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this forest, one of the cool things that I just kind of noticed too, it said that that day when they fought in the forest, that the, the forest consumed more people than the sword. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. Like if people getting lost or running in trees or I don't, I don't know, but in any case, um, yeah, the, the, the battlefield itself. You're, you're a fan of Lord of the Rings. I am. I, yeah. It's Lord like, of the Rings and Narnia. Were there, were there like Ents in the, in the forest that were just like right. you know, Absalom's men? Like who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> but in any, uh, in any case. Yeah. It, and in all of this, uh, a theme that you're going to see, because we, we can't stop at every th- psalm, no, but right. one of the themes that we pulled out about the psalms is, is how much David spends time talking about these foes that were a part of his household. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, my friends are rising up against me, people that knew me, yeah. uh, people that I had brought to the table. Uh, and, and he's lamenting a lot of that, um, which is tough. It's tough. Uh, but one of the beautiful things about reading the Bible really quickly and reading it chronologically and even doing the podcast so that we're pausing and, and reflecting on what we're reading out loud is you realize, Hey, you know what? I know another guy who had a buddy that was uh, really close to him. 
mm. had really given him everything that a, a man could give, right? That although he didn't die for David, he had laid down his life for his friend many times, mm-hmm. um, put it on the line for his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and David took his wife. Yeah. So, yeah. so as you read it, like you, you read it and you're like, oh man, that's tough, right? Like his friends, his own household, some of the people of his own court coming against him. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, he's not, he's not guiltless in all this. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and in that battle, he, he still, he still is doing that thing where he's patient with it. I think maybe seeing his own sin, maybe just not wanting to bring charge against his kids. And he tells him, don't touch my son. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't touch him. But, uh, Absalom with that long, beautiful hair gets the uh, long mane, the long mane. Yeah. Gets, uh, gets caught in a tree and that's not what awesome. kills him. It's funny no. when I, when I, when I remembered this story, like learning the story as a kid, I thought that, that that's how he died, but that's not how he died. That's how he got stuck. And then mm-hmm. Joab kills him. Right. Against the King's orders. Against the King's orders. Um, but then, Joab, that's a that's a familiar name. Haven't we talked about Joab? Today? Yeah, Joab's the guy. Joab is the guy who came up with the plan to bring Absalom back, right? Joab's the guy. Jo- Joab is an interesting character, and we see a little you bit know, more of him. Yeah, you know who Joab is in this. I, I just figured it out. Who's when you watch a when you watch a mystery movie, and you know it's a mystery movie, and so from from the very first line of the movie, you're already trying to figure out who the guy is, right? Who did it? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> Joab, Joab's that guy. Joab's that guy that keeps popping up sort of quietly. And you're like, oh, it's going to be him. It's going to be him. <laughs> and you never know all the way through the story. Is he the guy who's sort of stirring the pot to create something for his advantage? Right. Or, or is he the only guy in the room that really gets what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> is, he yeah. The, is he the voice of wisdom saying all along, hey, this is what really needs to happen. And, and you guys are all too close to the situation and too emotional mm-hmm. to really figure out what's going on. And so he's guiding this thing as it needs to go. He, he could be the guy working the advantage for his favor. He could also be the hand of reason and the tool of God to keep things moving along. Yeah. I think like we even see in Joab's like, when Job is explaining his decisions and, and, and why he thinks the way he does about various situations, like he is, he's got, I feel like he's got the kingdom's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's trying to keep things unified. Right. So he kills Absalom. Cause he's like, look, David, yeah, I know you want to save him, but he's just gonna, <laughs> the last time you forgave this guy, he, he tried to usurp your role. Like I'm, I'm going to do you a favor. And right. I'm going to take this guy out. And then when, when David is devastated at the death of his son, you know, he's mourning. So the, the, his army comes back. They're victorious. They've won the day. They've defended their king and their nation. And, and now David will be able to resume, you know, his reign over Israel. And David goes into mourning. And Joab's yeah. upset. Joab's like, dude, what are you doing? Like this guy who just, oh, your son who overthrew you, who killed one of your other sons, then overthrew you, tried to take the kingdom from you and, and, and warred against you. Like he hated you and you're loving him. Meanwhile, all of these men who just put their lives on the line, you know, you were, you're disrespecting them. Right. And so, and I get, I mean, I don't want to minimize the, 
the pain of losing a child, but I kind of resonate with Joab's criticism here, right? Like, he's a man of principle, right? Like Joab, right or wrong, he's not afraid to do what he thinks is right. That's true. Because he has gone against a a order of the king, Mm -hmm. not secretively. No. (laughs) He doesn't come back and be like, well, I don't know what happened. And he was just hanging there. And then my sword was in my hand and I was trying to cut him down and slipped. He doesn't devise any sort of plan or anything. He's like, no, I, this happened. Right. Yep. Uh, And then when everyone else sort of grovels at the feet of the king, he's just like, no, David, stop. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's not afraid. Yeah. 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 And again, it just, he's, he's saying, look, if you, if you don't, if you don't acknowledge these people who just fought for you, they're going to turn against you and you're going to be in a worse situation than you even began Mm -hmm. with. Right. So he's, he's the one who's just like maybe a little bit more emotionally detached, like you were saying, and is just trying to look at this situation analytically and saying, okay, what do we need to do to get things restored? Right. To put the, put the pieces back together here. So, um, yeah. And and here's the, here's the, I think the, the take home in this, because I, I think this is more than just a history. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was going to take this and say, so how do I a- apply this kind of practice and uh, these kinds of conversations into the way that I live? I, I would say when I fail, I need to acknowledge that I failed. Mm-hmm. I need to own that. Mm-hmm. And then I need to get back to work. Yeah. Right. Uh, whereas David seems to be just sort of groveling in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Joab's like, you know what? You still have a commission from God. You still are the king. And from your line will still come the Messiah. And you have an obligation to these people and to God to continue this kingdom. So whatever it is that's got you tripped up, it's time to, it's time to put on that stiff upper lip and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You got to get over yourself. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of times when, when I mess up that I don't want to get over myself. Right. And, uh, and I just want to sort of waller in it. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the, uh, like our highlights for the Psalms now. Let's oh yeah. Get into, let's get into that. Why don't, why don't you start Tim? Oh, for me, uh, there's, there's no question about it. There's no way around it. Psalm 122 uh, just, just gutted me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the man. opening line, it's a song of ascent. Uh, if you remember, the Psalms of Ascent are the ones where they, uh, they're singing them as they march up to Jerusalem um, on their way into the holy city for worship. These are the songs that they would sing then. And, and here we have a song of ascent, a Psalm of David. And the opening line, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Mm. I've read that a number of times and I tend to read past it. Right. Uh, even growing up saying the song. Um, but, but this time, man, it struck a heart chord hmm. and it cut uh, because I would be glad for them to say to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Uh, that, would be, that would be an exciting thing for me. And, uh, and so in, in that, there was an opportunity even for me to just repent of the times when, 
going to the house of the Lord uh, was common. Uh, not, not common in that it happened on a, as a regular occurring event, but common in that I treated it as common, right? Uh, yeah. This is what we do. Or, or even, even uh, on, on rough days begrudged, right? right. Uh, like this is another thing to do or, or whatever. But to be able to look at it, I, I hope, I, I know how the flesh goes, right? The flesh goes like this, that after we go through a point of revelation or a particularly tough time, uh, we get all excited and we're like, I'm never going to do that again, or, or this is going to change me forever. Um, and, and what it does is it assumes that our falling is circumstantial and not that in order for things to really change in us, we have some serious, heavy work to do on our own hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I know the tendency of the flesh is always going to be to step back into a common and normal routine, uh, even, even on Sunday mornings. Um, but I pray that my spirit will be stronger than that. Yeah. And that my spirit will be able to remind me it is a good thing to be able to come into the house of the Lord. And I'm glad for this opportunity. Yeah. No. Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, man. And it's, you know, it's weird how we just kind of take certain things that we had for granted, right? Just the idea that we could just gather for worship on a Sunday and um, yeah. Anyways, I, I miss it. Yeah. And, and you know what I like, I don't want to call anyone out too hard. I, I don't mind calling people out a little bit. Uh, there's a contingency of pastors right now that are talking like crazy saying, Hey, this new wave, this online church is the future. Um, people are, people are really enjoying it, right? At first it was kind of weird, but, but now people might even prefer it. Uh, so what you're doing now as the, the air quote experts are telling pastors might be something that you need to maintain in addition to your regular church services. And I just got to say, absolutely not. Yeah. Right. Like this is, this is not the same thing as gathering together as God's people in the house of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's insufficient. It's inadequate. It's uh, we're providentially hindered and it's forced upon us. Uh, but it can't be our future. Um, yeah. And, and I'll be glad when it's over. Yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, due to our circumstances, this is this is something that we're using as, you know, a vehicle to still minister to people. But it's like, okay, so we're, you know, in our current, it's like, it's like, these are the crutches that we're using to get around while we can't walk properly. Mm -hmm. But once we can walk again, put the crutches away. Cause it's not yeah. like, it's not the same, right? Like it's, it's, it's not an advantage, right? This isn't, this isn't a preferable situation that we're in. So yeah, yeah I, I was going to say the same thing, but I was going to say an umbrella, right? On a rainy day, an umbrella sure. is useful, but yeah. I'm not going to trade my umbrella or I'm not going to trade my roof for an umbrella. Yeah. Right. right? I yeah. use the umbrella because I'm eager to get back to the roof. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and I don't want to get drenched in the meantime, but yeah. I'm trying to get back to the roof. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, the, one of the Psalms that, that stuck out to me, it was Psalm 40. And, and one of the key themes of Psalm 40 is that David is celebrating publicly the salvation that he has had from God, the deliverance that he's had from God. Right. And so we also understand that again, old covenant versus new, you know, David, David's role as the King of Israel, right. Wrapped up into the whole deliverance and salvation 
for him is kind of these these victories that he has experienced right he's talking about something that's both both spiritual and physical right but but he he has this overwhelming desire to make it known right to make it public so verses 9 and 10 of psalm 40 i have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation behold i have not restrained my lips as you know o lord i have not hidden your deliverance within my heart i have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that just um, impacted me because, you know, I'm thinking of, of being a witness, right? Being a witness for Jesus Christ and sharing the, the deliverance and the salvation that we have in Christ. And that's something that um, I, I think a lot of us aren't very good at. We don't do that nearly often enough. And now in this time of quarantine, you know, the opportunities that we have for that seem even more limited. And, right. and my, my hope and my desire is that just like how we've been, you know, providentially hindered from gathering and that my prayer would be that we would gain a greater and deeper appreciation for that gathering. The same would be true for, for witnessing and evangelism, right? That, that, okay, some of the opportunities and avenues that we had available, whether it was certain outreach ministries or different things that we did as a church, that's been limited now. But once we have that opportunity again, that we would, that we would be bold, that we would be, that we would, you know, that we would share the, the story of the deliverance um, with those people. And so that's, you know, to me, that just kind of stood out as like, you know, wanting me to, to commit myself more to evangelism when this time is over. Yeah. And for me, I, I, in that same Psalm, I love verse four, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, mm, yeah. who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Who am I to improve on scripture? But I'd like a Selah right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that a little bit. Yeah. No, I, the, uh, I'm finding as we're going through the Psalms, they're just a treasure trove. And it's so often, you know, it's, it's funny how, you know, you're reading something and it just, you know, scripture has always been this way, but like, it just hits you. It just, it just addresses something in your mind, in your heart, that in your life, right, that you're going through right now. And uh, just been, been grateful for the, the opportunity to go through the Psalms. It's been, it's been really great for me. Yeah, that's why Spurgeon's multi-volume commentary on uh, the Psalms is called The Treasury of David. Yeah, it's great. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Thanks for being here. Take care, everybody.